0: Thanks so much for joining us on our Summit Church podcast. If you are new here, we want to help connect you with God and all that He has in store for you. We hope that this inspires you, strengthens your faith, and gives you hope to live your best days now. Enjoy the message. We've been in a series on wisdom, wisdom for life and living, and I'm going to finish up today. We'll go back to it and finish some more after Christmas, but right now... We'll finish the last part of this wisdom for life, and I tell you, I've never had so much feedback with people getting practical knowledge out of the book of Proverbs. It's so easy, it's so practical, and it affects every area of your life. In fact, Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. With all you're getting, get wisdom. Apparently, God wants us to smarten up. You know, stupid has no limit. Everything else does, but not that. So God begs us to get godly wisdom. Did you know the difference between seasons in your life is wisdom? Something you didn't know. The difference between success and failure, wisdom. Again, something you didn't know. The difference between poverty and prosperity, wisdom. See, the difference between your present and your future is wisdom. So you can't change your life until you change your wisdom. Wisdom or lack of it is creating the present circumstances of your life. So you cannot change your future until you change what you know. Every time something has kicked me up a notch, it was learning something I didn't know. I love that. I didn't know that. That was Somebody showed me something, a millennial, showed me something on my iPhone, and I've shown over 100 people how to do it. I was so proud. I learned something that I didn't know I could do or how to do, and now I tell everybody how to do it. It has actually put a little B12 in me because I didn't think I could do much on my phone but text and talk and do a little Twitter, but ah, If you see me after the service, I'll show you something (laughs) you don't know. And it's kind of fun. Okay, here's our text for our wisdom today. We're going to be talking about the characteristics and qualities and the outcome of a lazy man, of a lazy woman. And I can tell you up front, it ain't good, okay? And we're going to see what God says. Proverbs 10, verse 3 and 4. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. But he casts away the desire of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent man or woman makes rich. You know, when you talk about casting away the desire of the wicked, picture a king in that generation on his throne and somebody seeking his presence and he just takes his hand and waves it away. Total rejection. He casts away that person. God says that's what he does to the desire of the wicked. Psalms 35, verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So you have to align your mind to agree with God's word that he wants his people to do well that he wants you to do well, to prosper. It's not for a few select people. God says, if you're my redeemed child in my covenant, I want you to prosper and to do well. I want you to be in health. I want you to prosper. I want your family to do well. I don't have, if it be your will, it is God's will. He said so, right? And he says, those words are to be continually on your lips. What words? What words? God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. He said, let them be continually on your lips. So God is pleased when his children prosper. It says, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. And then David comes along after this in Psalms 37. And he says, I was young and now I'm old. That's true. Anybody but me can say, yeah, I witnessed to that. I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread. How does that sound to you? I don't care who's in governmental office. They can't change that. See, that can't change that. If all you need is a government to take care of you, they own you. God says, if you want a better deal, you step into my kingdom and I'll take care of you. our opening text said, right, let's review. God will not allow the righteous soul to famish. And David comes along years later and he says, I've been young. Now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've seen them in hard times. I've seen them go through setbacks, but I've never seen them forsaken by God, nor his children begging bread. Now that doesn't mean you won't have a setback occasionally or a challenge. Of course you will. But the Lord will not forsake you. And that is something you carry into that, that difficulty, knowing I don't know what, what this is going to be like. Maybe I don't know why this is happening. Maybe I don't know how I'm going to get out of this or God's going to provide. But I know he promised he will not forsake me. He's wi- he'll bring me through. And I've seen that all my years of living over and over again. But he casts away the desire or wishes of the wicked. See, if you appeal to God and you're wicked in your ethics, your behavior, your relationships, he'll wave his hand and cast away your desire. Reminds me of the verse that said, husbands, love your wives, lest your prayers be hindered. I summarize that, right? If you're not loving her, God says, I'm not listening to you, Jack. Pray all you want. I'm not listening. Loving your wife means giving her security, shelter, comfort leading her, not mistreating her. And if you do, God says, I'm not going to hear a pray you say, blabbermouth, you're just, well, barking at the, at the ceiling. That's pretty interesting. God says, you're my child, but I'm not going to listen to your prayer. Proverbs 10, verse 4 says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. That same verse in another translation says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligence brings wealth. Well, a pastor friend of mine in another state, we were in a meeting together last month, and he talked about walking into a local Do- Dunkin' Donuts before his big staff meeting. It's a very large church, and he asked to buy all their donuts, and they had a couple of hundred in there. And the girl said, I can't sell you all of them. I won't have any for my other customers. And he said, are they for sale? She said, yes, but I can't sell you all of them. And befuddled, he thought, well, why? And she said, because I'd have to make more. See, that would mean extra work, but it would also mean extra money, right? And that store, by the way, true story, that went out of business. That one little little franchise, went out a bit. No wonder. Lazy hands make for poverty. All right? To, you know, people, employees, ought to at least have a month or two under their belt of being the CEO or the boss and totally responsible for the, the, the people that show up and do the business to get an idea of the stress. Just a little piece of it, right? Two and a half years in COVID has taken a toll on our workforce, because there's gonna be little or no more staying at home doing nothing and getting paid. You can kiss that goodbye. To survive as a business or as a person. God said it takes diligent hands. A slack hand means to decrease or reduce intensity or to reduce or decrease quantity or speed. It's slow, see? Since post-COVID, everything in our country is slower. And here's the sad part. We're learning to settle for less. That's bad. See, every now and then you'll see an employee or a waitress or a, a coffee shop barista making eye contact with you when you walk in and there is a bit of a line acknowledging they see you and hustling to speed up the service. That's a guy or gal I want to tip good. They are diligent hands. You notice me. You said, hey, I see you. I, we're, You can see it's obvious we're full, but I'm slinging the coffee or I'm slinging whatever to get to you and acknowledge you. You know, it's like somebody cared. That little extra costs them nothing, but it makes me want to reward them for for noticing me, valuing me, taking care of me. Same if a waitress actually serves you with a great person. You know, putting, slinging the, the plate down on the table is not service. I'll be glad to get up and go get my own. That is not service. You're just giving me what I paid for. After it's on the table, now we talk about service. And that tip, T-I-P-S, tips, means to ensure proper service. Now they just add it in no matter what you do. It's expected. No, it was a service uh, reward, remuneration. And I believe in that. And I think a Christian ought to represent the Lord well with generosity. Don't witness to people or leave a track and a dollar bill or nothing. Don't do that. That's insulting people. And it makes you look cheap. So honor people that serve you well. Sometimes they share tips in most restaurants and somebody actually stands out with their personality and their service way above everybody else. And they look after you by name and they're right, they're all over you, brooding over you and making sure you lack nothing. You know, I'll slip sometimes cash out of my hand because they share tips and this they ain't sharing. I'll just put it in a handshake in their hand to say thanks for the extra effort makes a difference. Not only does that, is that a blessing uh, of generosity, but it also encourages them keep it up, right? Do you think that way? Right. Again, Proverbs 10, verse four. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So God uses different terms to describe the same thing. The Bible may say the, the slothful man, the lazy man, the slack hand, the sluggard. I'm just going to use the term lazy man. Let me give you some symptoms of a lazy man or woman from Proverbs, okay? Number one, he or she does not believe they are lazy. He or she does not believe they are lazy. Laziness is a byproduct. It's not a goal. Nobody sets out to be lazy. It's a byproduct, and the lazy person is always quick to blame someone or something else. In fact, here's what God says about it in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 16. It says, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Get the picture? He thinks he's smarter than seven advisors who have wisdom. Always a reason why they're late, why they didn't get the job done, why they didn't show up, because a lazy man or woman is wiser in his own mind he always has to justify why he didn't, or he can't, or he won't. They always have an excuse. Excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted, and there's always one for you. But work is a blessing from the Lord. Ecclesiastes three thirteen says that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toil or work. This is the gift of God. In other words, Adam had a job work before the fall. Before the, they fell, he was working. God gave him a job. And girls don't marry anybody that hadn't got a good job. Adam had a job before God gave him a wife. Okay, this is a good thing to work, all right? I mean, even if you're retired, find another endeavor to put your hand to for some passive income. To create another source of revenue, so you don't have to live on retirement or social security alone, but to have another Uh, retirement isn't even in the in the Bible, you know. Death is, but retirement isn't. (laughs) Who wants to retire and sit around and wither? I I don't know. I it it should be a pleasure to do what you're made to do. You ought to love it. You know. I don't know of a silkworm that says, you know, I'm kind of tired of making silk. I think I'll go into something else. I, no, he's just puking out silk because that's what God made him to do. Yeah, you're wearing clothes that little silkworm put on your body. That's exactly right. And the Bible says, whatever our hand finds to do, do it wholeheartedly as not well, I don't get paid for it. Well, I'm a volunteer. So what? He says, with Whether your boss is a Christian or your job is meaningful or whatever you volunteer to do, he says, do it unto the Lord with all your might. That's in Ecclesiastes and that's in Colossians. God says, do it representing me. If you're making a coffee and you're volunteering, don't give a, make it hot. Amen. Make it hot. Make it like Jesus is in the line, guys. He wants a latte with almond milk. Make it a good one. That's, well, that's exactly right. If you're a contractor, if you're a subcontractor, if you're part-time or you're not in the job you want yet, okay, don't just slop and go. Do it with all your might as unto the Lord. That gives it meaning. Wives, submit yourself unto your husband as unto the Lord, meaning he'll never be worth it, but would you do it for me? That's the Lord. I thought the Lord's pretty clever on that, yeah. Do it with skill, do it with excellence. Give it your best shot, working unto the Lord. Secondly, the lazy man or woman makes soft choices in life, not hard choices, soft ones. We all have a tendency to settle, and laziness comes on gradually. So you begin to make little surrenders in daily decisions that seem, for the moment, harmless. You might look at a lazy man or woman and think, well, they don't have any ambition. Oh, let me assure you, they have plenty of ambition or they have no desires. Oh, they've got a truckload full of desires, but they are simply not willing to work to get it. That means sometimes sacrifice, sweat, long hours, overtime, going the extra mile. And those are the people that generate reward, promotion, and blessing. So how do you defeat the nature of a lazy person? Well, you counteract laziness with hunger. That will move you. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says, For when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. If you got a 20-something-year-old son living in your house who won't work, show him the door. Pack his bag. And say, get off the bus, Gus. Make a new plan, stand. I'm going to set you free. God Almighty says, you are to work. That is a good thing, not a bad thing. Genesis 3, verse 19. By the sweat of your brow, your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. Boy, so God says this is a good thing. He's not talking about somebody handicapped or somebody injured in war that is unable to perform or someone with a birth defect, but there's a lot of people won't work that can work. And God says, if you're in my kingdom and you won't work, but you can work, you don't eat. You don't reward that. When we reward that, then we enforce And and embellish it and make it more and more and more. It it doesn't help anybody, the cause. We replicate what we continue to repeat. So suggestion, if you really want to counteract laziness, go on a three-day fast. Baby, you will discover how much you are driven by your flesh. Oh, you don't need the third day. You'll find out about three-fourths of the first day. You'll smell every smell you never smelled in your whole life. You will see signs you never saw before and knew they were there. And they're all related to food. And if somebody in your neighborhood is cooking, you smell it. You never smelled it before. You smell it now. Everything in your body goes psycho. And you realize, man, I am not under control. In Matthew 6, Jesus gives some instruction. Verse 16 through 18. When you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've already got their reward in full. But when you fast, believer, put oil on your head. Wash your face. Comb your hair. So it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your heavenly Father who is unseen, who sees what is done in secret and will reward you openly. See why? Because you're leading yourself. You're denying your flesh. You're bringing discipline and diligence into your life, and God will reward you openly. Also, realize laziness develops in stages. And left unchecked, it will disable you, it'll disable me. The first stage of laziness is kind of hidden it's an inward tendency to reject God's requirements for diligence. The solution is instant obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit when you feel that, when you hear that, when you sense it. I drive out of the parking lot, I see trash somebody has thrown out. Instantly I hear in my head, Rick, you should stop and pick that up. Now how do I know it's God? It's easy. What on earth would make me think I should do that? (laughs) God's desire for excellence, see? My flesh would always say, I ain't paid to do that. That's not my job. Let somebody else do it. I'm too busy. I got to go have lunch. And here we go. But if you learn, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, learn to obey quick. Don't second guess. Any prompting of God to make a call somebody. They, have, they could be in some catastrophic situation and you don't have a clue. God just prompted you. Do it. Send a text. Give something. Do something for somebody. Those little promptings come occasionally. They're not manipulated by people. They just come, and when you get one, obey immediately. God loves that. Secondly, it defeats procrastination and laziness and sloth. and then there's initial laziness. This is kind of where you take soft choices in life, but now it's becoming how you live, putting things off, procrastinating. I'll do it tomorrow, being late, failing to keep my commitments. See, those soft choices now become a regular part of my life. I didn't plan it that way, but now it's working me. I'm not working it. It's working me. See, only you can hold yourself accountable. Nobody can make you except the military and basic training. And all the veterans said amen. Amen. Yeah, they'll make you. I don't care how you feel, son. Drop. Give me 50. You will do it. And then there's disabling laziness. You've allowed small surrenders to become a habit. Now you don't even think about it. It's a lifestyle. Those small surrenders now don't even bother you. You show up late for church like it's normal. You let repair work go. I'll get to it later. And now these small surrenders are a solid habit. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 15. Slothfulness cast you into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger now you end up deceiving yourself and if you are ever challenged about it the bible says you are wiser in your own eyes than seven men who can give you a good reason or rebuke the solution is fast to clarify your goals reach your objectives And third, learn the discipline of rising early. All the young people hear that. Learn the discipline of rising early. All right, I don't mean to preach. I'm just reading Proverbs. Proverbs 6, verse 9. How long will you lay there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? I told you it's practical, right? This is amazing how clear. Proverbs 26, verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Oh, the bondage of sleep. Proverbs 19, verse 15. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and a lazy person will suffer hunger. So we talked about how God wants you to be diligent and wants you to prosper. The diligent man will prosper was our first Proverbs. But I'm showing you through Proverbs what destroys your prosperity, what destroys your good success. What, what destroys the ability of God to take care of you in a good way? Sloth, laziness, slack, slumber. Proverbs 20, verse 13. Do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake and you will have food to spare. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 33. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs 6, verse 9. Are you feeling good now? How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, so shall poverty come upon you. This past week, I ran across something you can get you're hard-to-get-up kids for Christmas. It's a wake-up bed. Watch the video. Chr- Chrissy needs to get that for Mia. Yeah. That, that'll wake you up. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. He who gathers crops in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. So there is a time to rest and a time to work and work diligently, and you have to know the difference in the season you're in. Number four, learn to respect time because you don't get any more. You can get more of a lot of other things, but you can't get more time. It's limited Death is absolutely certain. The mortality rate is still 100%. You can be a health fanatic. You can take all your organic, uh, grain-fed, non-steroid chicken, beef, whatever. You're still going to die. Right. You know, my dad was 101, but he still died. Uh, I eat healthy. Uh, I'm I'm a happy, healthy person. I work out every day of the week except the weekend. I still gonna die, and so are you, and some of you don't know how close to dying it is till you leave the parking lot out here, yeah, see, so I've just got a number of days of productive years that God gives each one of us, he gives us each so many years, our days are numbered in his book, only God knows what that day is, I don't know, I know Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, There is a time appointed unto a man once to die, then the judgment. So it's pretty clear you've got a shelf life and you will expire. Psalms 90, verse 10. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away. And the Bible says don't count your years. Don't count your months, count your days. Psalms 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. So seize the day. It may be your last one. Do what needs to be done when it needs to be done and do it on every day. You won't come up short. And you may have plans for next year, but you may not be around next year. And nobody, unless somebody's suffering with a catastrophic disease, nobody expected to die when they died. Rarely do you get that that privilege to be able to have closure and prepare to meet God because you're ebbing away with something that has not been cured. But most people, it could be a heart attack, it could be a car wreck, it could be something in aviation. It could be any number, a, a random shooting, and you happen to be in the way, and you're, you're gone. Who could expect that? Nobody. God says, you number your days. Every one of them's precious. And number five, time requires accountability. Time requires accountability. Our idle words and our idle actions, we'll be accountable to God for. Time is irrecoverable, and time respects nobody. Everybody has 24 hours a day, and we all have seven days a week. So this is not maybe a feel-good message. It's a get-better message so that we become diligent people, not lack, not slack, not lazy, but people who want all that God has for us. Abraham's father settled short of the promised land, but Abraham went into the promised land. So let's not be people who settle for less than God has for us. Some people are too easily satisfied. Don't do that. Be hungry. Be aggressive for what God has for you. And it's a fight. And if you're lazy, if you're passive, you won't get it. Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness because they didn't have a will to war. When God showed them the land and the people in it, they'd have to fight, they'd have to work. And they drew back and spent 40 years in a desert. Maybe God doesn't want you living on minimum wage. Maybe God doesn't want you... What you're doing right now? Uh, well, I've got some social security or a little retirement. Maybe God has bigger plans for you than that. It's going to yeah, but you know I I'm comfortable. Yeah, and that's what's going to kill your dream. I'm comfortable. If you're comfortable, you're you plateaued. You're already you're already out of the game. Don't get comfortable. Comfort is the death place of miracles. That's where dreams go to die. Well, I'm comfortable. No, no. Grab something you're not comfortable with and grow. See, our choice is made every day when the sun comes up. Uh, Remember that old African proverb? Every morning a gazelle wakes up in Africa, and he knows if he doesn't run faster than the fastest lion, he's dead meat. And every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up, and he knows if he doesn't run faster than the slowest gazelle, he's dead. He'll starve to death. So whether you're a lion or a gazelle, when the sun comes up, baby, you better be running. And that's God's word to all of us. See, great lives are lived one day at a time with diligence. Put your hand to it. Do it with all your might. Diligence will give you advantage. I'm just quoting you Proverbs I'm not going to read. Diligence will give you control of the situation rather than a situation controlling you. Diligence will cause you to experience fulfillment. Diligence will bring you before those in authority because they said, look at the productivity of this person. I want them on my team. Diligence will satisfy your needs. Diligence will bring you ever-increasing success. Diligence will make your efforts profitable. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better it is to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding above silver. So the critical component to becoming a diligent person is to constantly pursue wisdom and build your life, your career, your marriage, your relationships on that foundation. Amen. I was asked at a conference I spoke at this past year in an interview what three people would you like to have dinner with if you could have? And I knew what the people would say, well, Billy Graham or uh, the Apostle Paul, stuff like that. And I thought, no, that's not who I'd want. I said, I want Elon Musk, I want Warren Buffett, and I want Jeff Bezos. And they said, why? I said, these guys changed the world with their technology and ideas. So I would like to pick their brain to find out what do you know, I don't know, that would make me a better person or a more impactful person because they've impacted all of our ways of life, all of them. I want the wisdom they have. I'm not meeting with them to get theology. I'd be meeting with them to get wisdom. What do you do? How do you handle your day? Do you do the toughest things first or last? It's called wisdom. You can learn from people that are ahead of you. You don't have to agree with them. They're they're not gonna be mortalized in stained glass windows in a cathedral, but they've got something going for them that brings good success. And whether you're a believer or a non-believer, if you'll do what God says, whether you know it or not and you're doing it, it brings good success. Sometimes you can accidentally be doing the right thing and not even know it, and it produces a good reward in your life. If I could relive my life and go back I would would pursue more wisdom. It came awful late in life, and it would have been a bigger benefit to me if I'd had people or mentors or access to wisdom in those formidable years of learning in in college and university. I would do it for all I, because God says it's the principal thing. Get wisdom. Get smart. And I mean, pursue it. Go at it. Grab it. and and enjoy a great life. Let's become people of diligence, not a slack hand, not a lazy hand, not a lick and a promise. Let's be people who do the best we can as unto the Lord in whatever God gives us to do. Whether you're a server, whether you volunteer, whether you're helping out in a class and you don't even get paid for it, I'm gonna do it with all my heart and with all the excellence I know, with all the knowledge I possess, I wanna make it well because it's not who you are, it's who I am. I, I'm a redeemed child of the Most High God. Our God is an excellent God. Make sure your yard looks like it. Okay, we're going to do a drive around this afternoon. We're going to mark, mark all the houses that need a little clean up and fix up. But it, it becomes a lifestyle. See, just letting things go becomes a lifestyle. Coming in late becomes a lifestyle. And then it becomes a culture. And that's so hard to break. So let's build a culture of excellence a culture of diligence, not sloppy, not late. Amen. If you enjoyed that word, give God a hand. Come on. If you receive that, that's for all of us. And it's something we do daily. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting sumnsa.com.